Father, we just love you this morning and we thank you for this time where we can come and we can celebrate our Savior coming to give his life for us. And God, we're so thankful for that. We're so thankful for Jesus. And God, this morning we pray that as we hear your word spoken, God, that you'd speak to our hearts. Um, God, let us not be closed off to what you want to do in us. I pray that we would be open. And God, that you would just speak to our hearts, move in us, do what you need to do in us, Lord. And let us leave this place changed because of your spirit, because of your word spoken to us, Lord. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Last week we used this passage and it talked to us about Herod. And one of the points that uh, we left with was, man, with Herod, with as powerful as he was, as many resources as he had, it's pretty miraculous that the baby Jesus and Joseph and Mary were able to escape the brutality of Herod. Today, I want us to look at the wise men and learn from the wise men. Verse 1 says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Verse 7 says, Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star was first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. He went ahead of them, and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now, one of the lessons of the story of the wise men is this. In the Christian life, there is going to be many, many, numerous unanswered questions. There is just going to be great numbers of questions that don't have answers to. The unknown about Christ, about the Christian experience, about God himself is immense. And the known is small. And we are called on to believe 
the few pieces of known information and to just literally walk past all the unanswered questions. Now, for many people, that's a real problem. For many people, that is a reason why there is not a belief in Jesus. They have listed all the questions. They have tried to find answers for those questions, and they just can't find answers to those questions. And so they walk away in unbelief rather than walking forward in belief. Now, I feel very blessed that all those unanswerable questions didn't keep me from walking forward and believing in what I knew, believing in what I understood, believing in the very difficult to explain Messiah, Savior, Jesus. Many unanswered questions about these wise men. Who are the wise men and where do they come from? Now, the best guess that people have come up with is, is that they were Persians. They were wise men, smart men, educated men, perhaps are astrologers because of their study of the sky that led them to Jerusalem and led them to the place of Jesus' birth. Now, they had to be, maybe they weren't abs, you know, uh, clearly astrologers, but they had to be studiers of the sky. Now, when you walk out tonight and look up in the sky, you can't understand these guys. The, the gravity of what that journey uh, called for from their observance of the stars, we don't see. So you go out tonight, and if it's a clear night, you might at best see three or four stars, right? And the reason for that is light pollution. We, we're really handicapped in, in seeing what's up there. Every single night, there is in the heavens an unbelievable light show. You've got to be in a place where there's no light pollution to see it. it, it we, see, we see Venus. We see Mars sometimes. Sometimes you can see Jupiter. You can see Saturn. But we're limited. We, we see just a few stars in the, in the night sky because of the light pollution. When they looked up into the heavens, they saw billions of stars. So how did they see the one star that would lead them to the birth of Christ? They had to be observers, they had to be studiers. There's another explanation that's got to be there for them to see the right star. Now, I, I understand that they could follow the stars and the star could give them direction because sailors sailed the seas with the guidance of the stars. And at night, they would use their, uh, their, their, their little, uh, forget what it was called, they would use a little thing that'd come out and they would be able to pinpoint the star and every single night, they could stay on course. And the next day, they would stay on that course and then at night, they'd come back and make sure they were still on course. And so I understand how a star can take you in a direction, but I have no idea how a star can take you to a place on the earth. 
If I follow the star, I'll, I'll head west, I'll head east, whatever the direction of that star is. I can say focus on that star, but that star is way up there. How in the world can that star take me to a place? That's unanswered. How many were there? Well, we say there's three. And legend says there was three because they gave three gifts. Because they gave frankincense, uh, myrrh, and gold. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So there had to be three of them. We have no idea about that. The Bible doesn't tell us there was three. That's just an idea. How long after the birth of Jesus did they arrive in Jerusalem? We don't know. Because of the two-year margin that Herod put on getting rid of all the male children, we know that it was between the birth of Christ and two years of age. In there somewhere. Now, we all have him in our nativity scenes, right? But most likely, when Jesus was in that cave, in, in, uh, in the manger, the wise men weren't there. They came later. But we don't know when. We don't know when. Perhaps when Jesus was born, they began, they began their journey. And perhaps it took them two years. And so he says, all right, if it took them 18 months, it took them two years to travel, then they could have been in Iran. They could have been in Afghanistan. They could have been in the Eastern Asian places. We just don't know. Unknown. We don't know how long after the birth of Jesus they came. How did they know the baby was going to be the king of the Jews? We don't know that. We have no idea how they knew that. And back to that star, which may be the most unanswerable question that we have. What was that star all about? Well, some have said it was Halley's Comet, that, that every single evening they would be guided by Halley's Comet somehow or another. But that doesn't work out because the closest appearance of Halley's Comet to the birth of Christ was 11 years afterwards. So that doesn't seem to work well. Some have said it was a supernova. It was a sun that exploded and just out there in the sky, it just gave them direction. You know, they don't have any evidence, scientists do, of a supernova explosion during that time. Some others believe it was a lineup of planets that it was an unusual thing and they all lined up and from the direction that the wise men were coming from, they could line up and follow those uh, planets lined up. Now, Jupiter, Mars, and Saturn came together in, in such a way that if they came from Persia, that might have been a possibility, but that wasn't in the time period of the birth of Christ. So those three ideas, they, they're very difficult. The most likely scenario, I think, is it was just a supernatural light. And it would just be natural that they would call it a star. And, and much like Josephus speaks about when Jesus ascended to heaven, Josephus writes in his history that there was a glow on Mount Olives for days after Jesus ascended into heaven. So maybe that's what's going on. Maybe it wasn't a star. 
Maybe it wasn't a lineup of stars. Maybe it wasn't a supernova that exploded and led him there. Maybe it was just a supernatural presentation that God placed this great glow over Bethlehem. That seems to be the most likely uh, idea. But we still, we still don't know. Who are these wise men? Where did they come from? How many of them were there? What time did they come? And, and what is this big, great light? How did they know that, that the Messiah, the King of the Jews, was being born at this particular time? Now, they didn't have an idea it was Bethlehem or or unless it was just a courtesy to King Herod that they would go and they would be in Jerusalem and their presence would be made known so that, you know, that, that, that communication could happen. Perhaps that was a courtesy that people would make in their travels. But they didn't even understand that he was born in Bethlehem. These wise men did not understand Micah 5.2. They did not have access to Micah 5.2. And so here we have the most unlikely believers coming to worship the king of the Jews. Now, that's an amazing thing because they're not Jews. We have no idea of their religion. We have no idea of their understanding of God. We just know that they came to worship the king of the Jews. How did they get this information? Well, the answer is God did it. God made the star. God called these wise men to go. God showed them to go, the direction to go, and, and God told them that they needed to go to worship the king of the Jews. And something else that is very mysterious to me, something that I really don't understand, and that is, how did they know what gifts to give? How'd they know that? I mean, they gave appropriate gifts. They didn't give gifts that would be re-gifted. <laughs> appropriate gifts... They gave gifts for a king. They gave gifts for a priest. And they gave gifts for a death. For a significant death. Gold, a gift for a king. Frankincense, the gift the priests used in the temple. And myrrh, a spice that was used to prepare a body for burial. Now, that's, that's pretty goosebump-making to me. How in the world did they know that? Take gold. Why? He's the king of the Jews. How do they know he's the king of the Jews? We don't know the, that they, how they knew that. Let's take some frankincense. Why? Because he's going to be a priest. Did they understand that? Perhaps not. But he was going to be the high priest. He was going to be the mediator. He was going to be the last priest man would ever 
need. We don't need a priest. We have a priest. That is Jesus. He is our mediator. We approach the throne of God through Jesus, our high priest. And here these wise men show up in Bethlehem with these appropriate gifts. How did they know what gifts to give? Three lessons from this story. Just a little doubling up of the information we already had, perhaps. But three things I think you can carry with you about this story that I think will make a difference in your walking with God, in your believing God, in your trusting God. First of all, if the wise men were able to find Jesus, then you can find Jesus and know the way to go. I mean, what, a, what barriers they had to overcome. They had the barrier of culture, had the barrier of Herod. They had the barrier of distance. We don't know how far they traveled, but they traveled a long way. And they traveled and they found a place that they didn't have on their radar screen. They just knew they were to follow that star. Perhaps they were surprised when they discovered it was close to Jerusalem. We don't know that they had heard of Jerusalem. Perhaps they had. Perhaps they hadn't. But we certainly know that it is very unlikely that they have ever heard of the little tiny village called Bethlehem. Now, wouldn't you throw a fit if you traveled a long way, if you made that commitment and you'd been away from family for a long time and you'd been away from your normal surroundings for a long, long time and you're disappointed with Bethlehem? I mean, today, Bethlehem's kind of a large city, but during this time, it was a real small little village. It's not the kind of place a king comes from. He didn't come from Bethlehem. He comes from Jerusalem. But they found the place. God is always at work leading us. Now, in order for them to find the place... They had to see the star, the guiding light. They had to hear the voice of the Lord. And they had to believe. They had to, to know and hear. So they hear, they see, and they believe what they hear and see. That is available to all of us. We can see the work of the Lord. We can hear the voice of the Lord. He gives us belief that impacts our will and desire to want to follow him. Just think about that moment, that moment of possibility happened for these wise men. Perhaps one of them said, I was spoken to. I believe we, however many it were, we're to go on a journey. Now, how in the world of all of them going to be able to go with him unless there's some mysterious work of God in their life? So you wake up in the morning, you pray to the Father, you open up your spiritual ears, you open your spiritual eyes, you open your spiritual heart to be guided. And so if 
if God the Father was able to guide these wise men to be able to get to the place they needed to be to experience Jesus, he will do the same for every single one of us. We don't have to go through life banging our heads against walls. We don't have to go through life just being eat up with the unknown. We don't have to go through life with all the things that we perhaps might go through without faith, without belief, without trust, without his guidance, without the work of the Holy Spirit in us. You can know your purpose. You can know your assignment. You could see the spiritual activity of the Father around you. You can understand things that only believer would understand. If these wise men got that, we could get that. It's available to us. Now, something else, and kind of applied the same thing, but just a little bit different approach to it, a little different angle. If God can use a star to grab the hearts of these astrologers, then there is no question if God can accomplish these wise men going to Bethlehem to the right place at the right time for the right purpose, then there's, there's no question God can use anything to reach anybody he so chooses. Now, man, sometimes we probably are full of despair, discouragement. When we share the story of Jesus, we share the story of the gospel, the good news, perhaps the story of Christmas is part of that. We share this story with loved ones, with friends, with coworkers, and, and there's no impact that we can see. I don't know about you, but it seems like here lately that that in my world, there seems to be a spiritual dryness going on around us. And if you're not careful, you will go, what's the use? Why share the gospel? Why give away this hope? Why be involved in this act of reconciliation that we read about in Scripture? This story ought to give us great hope. God can do anything. It may seem to you that there's a dryness. It may look to you that something is not going on, but just Understand that if God was able to take these wise men and bring them here, God can do anything he wants to do to reach anybody. Keep on sharing. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. God can do miracles. He uses people. He uses circumstances. He uses events. He uses good things. He uses bad things. He uses victories, and he uses defeats. There's nothing God will not use to bring about people coming to believe in him, to trust in him, to know him. Even with all the unanswerable questions, God still is at work today. Now, the one thing he's asked us to do is share what we know. I don't have many answers. The comparison between how many answers I have or what I know compared to what I don't know, it's like a great big warehouse of all the unknown things, and it's a little tiny house storing all the known things. But our responsibility is to share what we know and watch God do the rest. Let God do the rest. 
And the last thing here, these gifts. Man, we have gifts to give. We have spiritual gifts to give. We have resources to give. We have experience to give. We have passion to give. We have abilities to give. We even have uniqueness to give. We're all different. We've all had different experiences. We all are passionate about different things. And just like these wise men gave these appropriate gifts, we didn't realize that we are appropriate gifts to give this world. You have a spiritual gift, you have passion, you have heart, you've got abilities, you've got a unique personality. There's no one quite like you. Just like your fingerprint is unique, your personality is unique, and, and your experiences are unique, and so you are literally walking around this world as one unique person. There's nobody quite like you, and you believe the unknown. You believe what people struggle over. You believe in the hope of the gospel and the good news. You believe an unbelievable story. You could have traveled with the wise men and worshiped Jesus in Bethlehem. You have a wonderful, wonderful gift. At Christmas time, we should give. That's one of the reasons why we have our World Mission Christmas offering at Christmas. That's our way of giving to Jesus. And, and we've, been, we, we've been raising money this month. And today, we need to have the best day of giving we've ever had for world missions. This next week, I want you to pray about what to give and understand that just like the wise man gave an appropriate gift, giving what God has blessed you with is an appropriate gift to give Jesus the gift at Christmas so that people who are uniquely shaped to take the good news about Jesus to the world are able to do it. We have for Cambodia, for Peru, for Camp Gridiron, for Elizabeth's Voice, for uh, Titus II Ministries, all these different ministries, God's people have been called to believe in him and trust in him. They have traveled a long journey like the wise man, and, and they are ready to give the appropriate gift. We've got a Get that money together so those gifts can be purchased, whatever that looks like, whatever that means, and so they can be given to this world. And so you have an opportunity in today's offering to give your Christmas offering. The rest of this week, the rest of this year, an opportunity for us to both reach our goal, but also that we give the gifts that are appropriate so that the message of the gospel can spread across the world. Now, you, you, you might be discouraged today. Be encouraged by the story of the wise man. If God did all this, protected them from Herod, took them to the right place, used this light in some mysterious way, if, if they knew that they were going after the king of the Jews, if they knew what gift to give the, the king of the Jews, so appropriate who he was, what his mission was, what he would would end up doing, then God can work in you and God can work in me. It's a mysterious story. God loved us so much 
that he came into this world and he became just like us so that he could show us what love is, he could pay the price of our sin, he could become our high priest, and he could bring us the wonderful gift of salvation. The unknowns are huge. The knowns are small. But the knowns explode us into understanding the king of the Jews came. And we worship him. We worship him. A lot of people practice Christmas without worshiping Jesus, don't they? I was in Walmart the other day and I was watching people with all their gifts there and there was a lot of impatience going on, a lot of irritable stuff going on, and, and I'm just kind of looking around, taking it all in, and, and I, I, I had the question, how many of you really worship Jesus at Christmas? You know, of course, I didn't do that. I thought about in John chapter 7, where at the f festival uh, of the shelters that Jesus stood up at the end, at the climax of this great holy week, great time of celebrating the festival of the, of the harvest that Jesus says, if you thirst, I'll give you living water. And I just wanted to stand up and shout out, how many of you really worship Jesus, the King of the Jews at Christmas? It's his birthday. It's his day. It's not for you. It's not, why are you so irritable? I had all this speech in my head. <laughs> I decided against it. I just wanted to move on peacefully and quietly. But oh, I thought, man, most people miss the real joy of Christmas, the miracle of Christmas. And we've been given the assignment to be the wise men in their lives. Follow what you know, believe what you know, follow what you know with hope. Recognize that you are a unique gift that is just packaged just the way it needs to be to bless other people. Help us, Lord, to follow you, to be guided by you, to understand, God, your desires for each of our lives. May we believe the unbelievable. May we know what, what is basically full of unknowing and just walk faithfully in what you've called us to, Lord. Help us to worship you with all of our heart, with laser beam focused this time of year. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.